0: Rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Rumors of Grace. As always, this is Bob Hutchins coming to you from... Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. It is June the 1st. Depending on when you're listening to this, we are in the midst of a crazy, crazy 2020. And it's only half over. So hopefully, if you listen to this six months from now, it will have ended uh, better than it started. But if it doesn't, we're still going to be okay. I want to continue my conversation today with a good friend of mine and pick up on the conversation from my last episode with Kendall Duffy, a friend of Kendall Duffy's, and I want to continue this conversation because I am, as I honestly and transparently tried to say last time, I'm really trying to learn. I am trying to root out what is ingrained in me as a white male who comes from uh, a history Of racism and uh, a family record of that and i want to be more than just a quote not a racist but i want to learn how to be an ally and i think there's a difference between those two and so i want to learn again as i said last time it doesn't go unnoticed that i do control this mic and it would be real easy To make this about me, and please understand that's not my intention, what I want to do is give the platform to someone else who sees this from a very different perspective and who can help us to see things in a unique way. I think healing, I think change and understanding, if you've listened to this show, this podcast for any length of time, it's all about having conversations and trying to see things through someone else's eyes. So with that, today I want to introduce Mr. Isaiah Tatum to the podcast. Isaiah, welcome to the silver table as you sit across. It's good to see your smiling face. (laughs) So
1: good to see you, Bob. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Isaiah, you have been on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. Last year, I believe, uh, we talked about your life story. And so for those who haven't listened to it, let's just start and don't want to spend a ton of time on your bio and background, but I think it's important to give just a history of of who you are, where you grew up, where you went to school, college, and what you're doing now, just to set the context for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I am from Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. I am
1: 30 years old. I went to school at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and then I got my master's degree in entertainment business at Full Sail University.
0: In Orlando, right? In Orlando. Okay. And talk to me about what your growing up was. What was that like growing up in Little Rock, Arkansas?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Little Rock, it was, i actually lived 30 minutes outside of Little Rock. It's a little town called Wrightsville, Arkansas. And we grew up... Uh, where my grandparents owned businesses. Hmm. And so we actually called it Tatumville (laughs) because (laughs) grandma lived right next door to the store. My aunt lived in the back of the store. Well, not in the back of the store. Her house was behind the store. My house was across the street. My uncle's house was next door and my other uncle's house was next door. That's amazing. So I just grew up around my family and cousins and everybody. And so what... You know, growing up there was great. You know, a lot of history in Little Rock, Little Rock 9, you know, and just, you know, one of those things that it's like all that history. And, you know, I wrote a book, as we discussed last year, Mm -hmm. um, called Little Me, I Will Live Now, because, you know, it's one of those things that not everything is sweet and peachy. You know, Mm. And um, I grew up where I was sexually molested. Mm. And by a neighborhood kid, teenager, and that kind of set me on a pathway to secrets and a pathway of, to confusion and a pathway to, like, a man not knowing who he was. His identity was taken, you know. Mm. And so being able to navigate through that was very hard. And today you know, I still deal with some of those issues, you know, however, the healing that I was able to get, because I came to the point to be like, either I'm going to be a victim or I'm going to be somebody that's a victor. Mm. And I decided in my Mm. mind to be like, no matter what happens or what life brings, it's one of those things that I'm going to be victorious in this thing. And I choose to live and so that's why i named the book little me i will live now because i had to go down go back to that little boy and say hey i know that you were hurt but i'm gonna live now mm. as the man and that took healing and it's taking healing for me to heal this little boy so i can become the grown man that mm. god
0: created me to be that's a beautiful it's a beautiful and friends if you haven't listened to my discussion with that whole story more in detail Please go and listen to that episode. It was several episodes back, but Isaiah Tatum. Isaiah, you know, you grew up, you went to school, college, and you Mm. moved to Nashville because not only are you a businessman, but you were a singer too, right?
1: I am a singer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not professionally yet,
1: you know, it's a dream of mine to just really be able to use my voice Mm. you know, that was given to me to bring hope, to bring life, and to bring a light to such dark situations, you know? And it's like, hey, you've been given this gift, you know? And I downplayed my gift for a long time. Like, oh, Mm. I'm not good enough. Nobody's Mm. gonna listen to me. But now it's one of those things like, they will listen to you. Use your voice to sing, Mm. you know? But also use your voice to speak up as well. And so that's what, you know, I'm coming into line with. It's like, you've been given this gift for a reason.
0: Yes, yes, that's beautiful. Well, talk to me about what you're doing now. You're a man of many talents. (laughs) Um, Not only, you're an amazing singer, I've heard your voice. It's amazing. You're an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you're an amazing cook, (laughs) and you're into real estate, right? That is correct. So
1: um, full-time, I do have a full-time job. (laughs) I do full-time real estate, and Mm. I've been in real estate now for four years in Nashville. Mm. And uh, yes, I had a sweet potato pie company, Big Eye Sweet Potato Pies, and author, you know, Mm. as we just mentioned, you know, it's just one of those things that every time I name it, I was like, oh, Lord, you're doing too much. (laughs) (laughs) However, it's one of those things that I vowed to say, hey, I'm going to live big and die empty. Mm. And I didn't want to be one of those people to say I wish I would have. Mm, that's good, you know. I was like, everything that you know, it was put in me. I'm gonna bring it out, yes. you know. And so when I get to whatever bed that is, you know, <laughs> and you know that those dreams are not sitting around my bed, my deathbed to say why didn't you? Mm. But more so, it's like, we glad you did. Mm -hmm. you know? So that's, that's what I'm excited about. So now it's like, yeah, real estate is going great. Great market entrepreneurship. You know, I get that from my dad and my grandma and my my grandfather, you know,
0: but I'm excited about just what the future holds. That's great. That's great. Well, I mean, we don't live far from each other. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I wanted to have you on is it's a unique perspective of somebody who's who's living, who's come from that background and, and you as a, as a young white male, I'm sorry, a young black male living <laughs> in a white community for the Absolutely. most part, correct? Yes. Here in Brentwood and Nashville, Tennessee, obviously in, in the work you do, mm-hmm. um, you you are very much a minority. And you and I met from, in the, in the entertainment business. And, right. You know, we've worked together on and off and I've always appreciated your friendship and your honesty, you know, the last few weeks, the last few days, with what's happened with the Floyd death, mm-hmm. with the, the riots going on in cities all around us, it seems like the country is more divided than ever. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah, I'm really trying to learn and trying to be as humble and as open as I can to try to understand, see things mm-hmm. through eyes that, that I didn't experience that are very different than mine. Yeah. And so part of this this journey for all of us is really learning how to ask the right questions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what I've so appreciated about some of the things that you've said, some of the things you've written on social media. And I've always known you to be somebody who, you're about building bridges. You're about healing. You're about truth and honesty, regardless of, of race or socioeconomic. And I've so enjoyed that about you. I've learned so much. So talk to me, if you would. Mm -hmm. Um, You you made a post on Facebook, actually, was it yesterday? It was yesterday. And you told me that so far you've already gotten 10 different phone calls from white people saying, can I ask you questions? Can Mm -hmm. I understand? Yeah. And so I thought as part of this podcast, we could go through those things because you just outlined them. You said, here's some things for white people to know mm-hmm. that are helpful. So uh, we don't have to read the whole thing, but right. maybe we could go through and say, what are each one of these things? And let's talk about them. Absolutely. So if you would, can you tell us like, w- first of all, what prompted that?
1: Yeah, so it was, it was my post. It was a heartfelt post that I posted yesterday about the whole George Floyd situation. But not only that, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and then all the rest of the things, you know, the long laundry list. And it just came from a place as a black man to be like, hey, here are our true feelings, sometimes that we cannot articulate, but if we do articulate and reconsider like angry and you know, mad and all those things, but it was a call to my white brothers and sisters to say, hey, we need you all to step up and voice up right now, mm. because that's truly where the change is gonna happen Mm. Right, And so oftentimes it's one of those things that we just just talk about how we feel and the hurt, but we never give actionable steps on how we can be helped, Mm. you know? And it's one of those things like, yeah, you see the riots and you see the looting and all of that stuff, right? Which is bad, Mm -hmm. okay? But it's one of those things that hear the hurt of where it's coming from. Yes, And so now I wanted to be, I didn't want to be that person that says, oh, whoa, this thing is going on without giving the ability for somebody to do something.
2: Mm.
1: I don't want to be just a voice now that always complains or has like, do you see us? Right. But this is how you can see us and this is how you can help us. Mm. And so now I want to move to action versus just being a voice that talks about what everybody else is talking about. And some of those things that I had mentioned, and like I said, it's like, I got like literally 10 phone calls of people asking me, what can I do to help? Like, I feel like I could never ask these questions. And so I gave them the permission to ask whatever they wanted to ask without judgment, Mm -hmm. because it's one of those things that's just like, hey, I don't know if I am be considered a racist if I ask this. I don't want to be labeled as a racist. And that's not that's not the case, you know? You want to understand the plight of somebody else and how we view it, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I want to walk in your shoes and you want to walk in mine. And I'm giving you a chance to ask the question so you can walk in mm. my shoes, you know? And so some of, those, some of those things that I had recommended was, call your African American brothers and sisters to check in and listen. Mm. To them for further understanding.
2: Hmm.
1: Ask the hard questions that they may that may make you uncomfortable. Hmm. It's time to address the pink elephant in the room.
0: And and you know I've been saying this, and I've been really thinking hard about this lately. Is as white people, very few of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody wants to be a racist. That's right. And so it's real easy to say. I'm not a racist or I don't want to be a racist. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like saying, you know, th- yes, there's some, there's some extremists who say, yeah, I'm a racist, mm-hmm. but most people don't want to be a racist. Right. But the next step to that is, okay, that's great. That's the first step. Mm-hmm. But now how do we talk about, like you said, the elephants in the room?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be called White privileged mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable to say you know there's systematic racism and I am guilty of it
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's uncomfortable we don't want to go there yeah it's easy to say why do you always make it of our race mm-hmm. hey all lives matter mm-hmm. and I get why that's a problem mm-hmm. I under, I'm understanding that yeah but from your perspective what is the pink elephant
1: the pink elephant in the room is racism okay. The pink elephant in the room is that there is police brutality. Mm. The pink elephant in the room is that those officers typically get off and our voice is lost again. Mm. You know? So it's it's being able to have those hard conversations as to like why am I avoiding the conversation, you know? And to, because we all wanna avoid the hard conversations because we don't want to come into a possible truth. Mm. And if I don't come, if I know, cause we know deep down inside there, there could be some biases in us. Mm. And so if I am faced with that, then I have to deal with that. And right now I don't wanna deal with that because it I lose the story that I'm telling myself that I'm not a racist. You know what I'm saying? Or I lose the story, you know, of that. um, Just I'm okay, you know? So it's one of those things that's just like, that's why the hard conversations are avoided because we have to come into
0: contact with our past. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good.
1: What are, what are, what's next? Yes, I said, don't let the news and media's coverage on looters and violent protests detract from the fact that there was a man killed by a knee of an officer. A woman shot eight times by officers with a no-knock warrant and a black man killed for running in a white neighborhood all in the span of three months. Focus on the why these things are happening because sometimes those distractions provide an easy excuse towards not taking action.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, let's talk. Let's camp here for a minute. Okay. You know, there are looters. There are mm-hmm. people robbing and doing horrible things, destroying other people's businesses. Yeah. And it it went quickly from everybody in the country saying, that man was murdered before our eyes. What a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. White people, black people, all races said yes, that was horrible. Mm -hmm. That lasted about five minutes, and now all of a sudden, (laughs) these are terrible people. The cops need to come out and take care of them. They're just doing terrible things, and Mm -hmm. one wrong doesn't justify another and it's like you said i feel like our our attention is taken off and put on the destruction of property which is wrong mm-hmm. and violence which is wrong mm-hmm. by a few because most are there to, to protest peacefully most have had enough and said we've got to do something yeah and we're losing what's really important it's and then it it just it's a, it seems like from me as a white man it's like it's cycling back again like Okay, you got to use force to stop these people from That's hurting right. other people and destroying property. So you call the police out. You call the national guard to use force. Mm-hmm. You know, like, unfortunately, our our president said, when the looting starts, the shooting sure. starts. <laughs> you know, and we're just back. We're we're back again. You know, it's like we haven't made any progress. It's just yeah. it's just like this weird cycle cycle of. Okay, this is bad. We Mm -hmm. shouldn't kill people. Oh, my gosh, now they're bad again. We need to get on top and control them. It's just this weird loop. Mm -hmm. What do we do? How do we have those conversations? How do we separate and compartmentalize in our brains? Mm -hmm. Because I want to hear, like, you said it. It's bad. People shouldn't loot and steal. Mm -hmm. But we can't let that distract us from really the core problem. That's right.
1: Again, it goes back to... That narrative, mm. that I've built this story in my head that these people are bad. You know, mm. for instance, the black the Black Lives Matter movement got demonized. You know, because they have peaceful protests in the day, and then those riots start at night. The same thing happened in Nashville, and I don't know if you saw it today, but the people that burnt the courthouse were not black, right? nor were they Black Lives Matter. It was a white male that started the fires in the mm-hmm. courthouse. And so it's that narrative of like, of saying that you don't hear us until you're affected by it. Mm. So yes, man, like a police brutality, Like that's why I said in here, it's just like, it's one of those things that on the weekend I'm outraged, but on Monday I go back to my life. Mm. And we cannot good we can't do that any longer. Mm. Well, because Kofi got us all in the house. <laughs> right. So however, now we're forced to face this thing. And we cannot go back to that narrative and that story of like these people are bad. And these people are what I thought they were. Mm. You know? We gotta face it because again. The way that black people see it is like they don't hear us because if they heard us, all those police officers would have gotten convicted and be serving time. Mm. But it's not until those business owners are affected that's when they speak up. But you were silent about somebody getting killed by a police officer. Well, they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. They provoked this and they provoked that. But what about the ones that, you know, Followed all directions. And so it's, again, Is we want to go back to the comfort of what I believe. Mm. Because we don't want to face that, hmm, Colin Kaepernick probably was right. Yes. Peacefully protesting mm-hmm. police brutality. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's a meme going around like, hey, we protested like this, we protested like this, and we protested like this, and it, was, it wasn't okay, but when we start... <laughs> Put things on fire, you know, which is not done. But that's anger. Right. How do you how do you tell somebody, Oh, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep allowing
0: And you're not allowed to get angry about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can't do that. Right. And so it's one of those things that we're starting to see, like the anger of people. You're not listening. That's Martin Luther King. You're not listening. Riots are basically people who are, have been unheard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you need to start listening, and now I think everybody is listening now. Because like I said to you, George Floyd's death was probably the straw that broke broke the camel's back.
0: Yeah, you said it so well. You said it was a straw that broke the camel's back, and you had a whole generation up until Martin Luther King that you know fought hard and, mm-hmm. and sacrificed their lives and their well being and. You know, just you could go through the list of mm-hmm. of people who did that during segregation, and then all of a sudden, we said, okay, well, we fixed that quote. Mm-hmm. And you know, through the years, you have a few skirmishes and Miami riots, and right. you know, you have on and on. You know, Rodney King, and mm-hmm. but it just kind of pops up, goes away, pops up, goes away. Absolutely. But this is an eruption that mm-hmm. is well overdue because it it didn't change anything. <clears throat> That's right, it's one of the, it's like putting makeup on the pig, I guess is
1: what they say you mm. know putting putting makeup on something that is ugly will not make it unugly. Mm. You have to deal with it, and I honestly say America has not dealt with this ugly past. however, we can't go back and change it, but we can change today and tomorrow. Mm. We can change today that will change tomorrow, mm. you know because tomorrow's not promised mm. so We have to get to the point to say, and that's why I told you, we're in the greatest opportunity. Something so tragic has brought the greatest opportunity because the beast of racism is out. Yes. Now let's deal with it. Like, let's slay this giant. Yes. Of saying, this is no more. Because when we make racism uncomfortable, Mm. that's when, you know, it'll be suppressed. But to be like, now I pray that your heart changes. Mm. You know, like, why do you hate me? Mm. I have no control over what color I am. Mm. Like, why do you hate me? Mm. Like, if we sat down face to face, like, I'm pretty sure we could have a great conversation to learn about each other, and we probably could change that. It's taught. Mm. It's a generational curse Right. that has to be uprooted until it is interrupted it will continuously go on so that's why we have to get the next generation of kids yes that's one of the things that I was on one of these was saying that at your family reunions at your family gatherings call out the uncle call out the aunt call Mm -hmm. out your parents to say hey that language is unacceptable or that thought process Is unacceptable because they typically pass it down to their kids and the kids are saying, whatever mom and dad does, that's right. But until it's challenged in front of them, they're like, wait, wait, wait. Something psychologically goes on in the mind to say, well, why is Uncle Ben saying that it's wrong and mom and dad saying it's right? So now they have to come up in their little minds to just say, hey, something, Mm. you know. So it's all about what's being taught.
0: Yes, that is so... So good, so practical, and so easy, but so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Meaning there are opportunities to root out racism all around us. Mm-hmm. And it comes in the form many times of family and extended family. That's right. And uh, it's easy to keep the peace mm-hmm. at the expense of a race of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, but it's so. Thank you for saying that. That's yeah. that's so important. That yeah. that's something that can be done, probably several times a month, mm-hmm. if not a week. We all have people in our lives, yeah. who did, may not even realize it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm I am trying so hard, and I'd lo- I'd love to get your get your input on this. Is at what point do you? Where can you find empathy? in people who were taught wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. not demonize and have have kindness for yourself, first of all, and then kindness for those people who mm-hmm. are still struggling yeah. through, you know, generational racism and, mm-hmm. and, and prejudice when it's a family member. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. And that's one of the conversations that I had
1: yesterday, you know, because someone who was born in the 60s, Are gonna be way different than somebody born in the 2000s. Yes. So empathy comes from being able to understand our stories. Where do we come from? What era were you born in? Mm. You know, so if you're Generation X and I'm a millennial, Mm -hmm. like we have totally two different upbringings. Yes. You know, like I hear my mom tell stories of how they experienced racism at their school, you know, Uh, she's Generation X. But Mm -hmm. the empathy where we are able to sit at the table right now together, that's where empathy comes in, to be able to say, hey, I acknowledge that I've had some biases in my past. Yes. Like, I can empathize with that. Mm -hmm. It's those people who know it's wrong, and won't change. Mm. That's where the empathy doesn't come, I empathize that I pray that they change to just be able to have a conversation with somebody who looks different than them, yes. you know? And so that's why I wanna open up the conversation so people can get that out. Mm. To be like, you know what, hey, I thought about some things in my past that have come up and I'm ashamed of them, but I'm so sorry and I am changing and I wanna understand so I can change. That's beautiful. And that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. not saying that's, yet your past or whatever, but it's just like, this is what needs to happen. And we be able to hug one another out of love. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, love covers a multitude of sin. Mm. So it's the love that's gonna be able to be like, yo, you grew up in this era, you know what I'm saying? It's not an excuse to keep the behavior going, but, Your environment shapes who you are. Yes. So if you come from an environment of all white people, that's that's all you know. So and sometimes the non-verbals. I was telling somebody about this. It's the non-verbals as well that are taught. So a parent may not necessarily be outright, you know, outspoken of like, oh, that's a that's a person and that's a person, you know, but more so like, hey, if a black man walks by the car, I'm gonna lock the door. Or if I, they walk by me in Kroger, I'm gonna hold my purse a little bit tighter. Hmm. And then the kid picks up on that to like every time somebody like those innuendos, you know, it's vice versa in our community. I had somebody write on the post yesterday, a guy who came to do tennis with them a whole week. They loved him, but the moment that he came into his pol- with his police uniform on, one kid say, "Hey, we're not supposed to like you." Mm. Right? It happens on both ends, Mm. you know? Because of what's taught by the parents, Right, because black children say, oh, the police are bad because all they want to do is get our people, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's about what's being taught, but it's about growing and maturing. We have to grow and mature. You're not the same person you you were 10 years ago. Mm -mm. That's not fair to hold that over somebody's head. And that's a whole different story (laughs) of like holding people's past over them, Mm -hmm. you know? Because people do change and people do evolve and we have to give them the ability
0: to do that. Yes, that's good, that's really good. That's how we solve that. That's good, what else you got there for me?
1: Yeah, so do a deep dive and study on on systemic racism and oppression. Mm. Use your voice influence connections to set up meetings with individuals, politicians, lawyers, who can
0: affect change regarding the conversations you've had with your African-American brothers mm. and sisters. Mm. So let's, let's camp for a minute on systemic because this is something that we're hearing a lot about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: People are saying it. I have friends. I have acquaintances. 99.999% of the time they're white that says... You know, that, that's, that's a liberal talking point and systemic racism is, doesn't exist. That was 200 years ago. <laughs> what would you say to that?
1: I'd say that's a <laughs> lie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I gave some examples of it, you know, cause a hard question that I got that they didn't want to say in public, they were like, what do you say to the black community? Mm. And I was like, we do not get a, a chance out of this, mm. you know? Because there are some things that are our fault, you know. And however, I when they would say something like one guy, help him Lord, he was like, Yeah, you know, you should be they should be like Barack Obama and you know, have the black fathers to come back into their lives and you know, something of that of that caliber. And then I had to educate him. I was like, systemic racism and oppression in the slavery days, slave masters like voluntarily split up the families so they could show who was boss. Because if the black father stayed with the family, there was a possibility of a revolt Mm. because they would listen to the father more than they would the slave master. Mm. So in order to break the family apart, they would sell off the man and the mom would be still responsible for working in the fields or in the house while taking care of the kids. Fast forward years today, you see African-American moms in our single-parent home working two or three jobs, taking care of the kids. Why? Because systemic racism and oppression puts the black man, some of them, in prison. Hmm. Did you know that prisons are basically built off of third-grade boys? Hmm. Talk to me about that. Yeah. They, they take all the statistics of like African American boys in the 3rd grade to determine how many prisons and how many beds they need to they need to make for the future mm. based on their behavior, mm. you know, based upon the poverty line and where they come from and what they're going to do, right? So it's those types of things that just shows up that most people don't know that what you see today are just generational curses from slavery, mm. right? So if that family like you know, and then they're like, what about black-on-black crime? Goes back to slavery. There were mandingos that slave owners would literally put two black men against each other and fight for their life. And the one who won, like, he'll get the praise from the slave owner, and the other one just died. Mm-hmm. That is systemic mm-hmm. racism right. and oppression that is, we see today. Now, it's up to us to get educated about this. Right. And to change the mindset to be like, yo, wait, that's that was passed down from that time. Like, I'm gonna love my brother, right? You know, I'm gonna uplift them. You know, like even today, you know, I'm saying a, again, a systemic racism. In the June first, May, May, June. yeah, there it is. May 31st and June 1st is the history or the anniversary of the bombings in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and where black businesses were thriving. And they dropped bombs in that area to destroy the black progression. That's how it was all the time, you know? So that's why we see
0: black people being consumers Mm. and not a lot of entrepreneurs, Mm. you know? Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about the last few days by, as I have observed what's happening in our country and the responses from various sects and, and, and places, mm-hmm. you know, this plays on our fears, this whole thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Everybody is fearful, I believe, of something very mm-hmm. deeply. For some people, they are fearful of not getting the love that they need. Mm-hmm. For some people and groups of people, they are fearful of losing their property or their property being damaged or their families being hurt or Mm -hmm. their money, their savings being taken away. Yeah. And for some people, they're fearful of just staying alive and not dying and being killed at the hands of other people. Absolutely. So a lot of this has to do with what's your priority and what are you most fearful of? For many of us, we don't have that issue of fearing being, uh, staying alive and being killed. Mm-hmm. It's just not. I don't. I didn't fear that growing up. Right. I didn't fear going. Oh my gosh, am I gonna be shot by a drive-by shooting, or mm-hmm. is a police gonna like mistake me for someone else, or am I gonna get in a gang fight? I didn't, mm-hmm. by virtue of who I was, where I was born, what family I was born into, and this color of my skin. Mm-hmm. I will say that I'm fearful of my family being hurt and I'm fearful of maybe losing some possessions, maybe life. Yeah. So maybe this is exposing really what's most important to us. Mm -hmm. And again,
1: it's based upon your upbringing as well. Mm. Because I didn't have a, a rough upbringing outside of my story, right? Like, I grew up in a family that was middle class. You know, we didn't ever want for anything. You know, my parents, grandparents made six figures and, you know, they taught us the importance of working. So that wasn't necessarily a fear, you know, of that. You know, so it's all about how you were brought up, right? I will say I experienced my f- first fear that I can recall the other night. Because I was at a party, less than two people, COVID, <laughs> social distancing. <laughs> and and there were two black people there and all the rest of them, well, three black people and all the rest of them were white, mm. right? And church members, we would go to a diverse church and I get a text message from my aunt. It says, call your auntie now. And I was like, uh-oh, my, one of my grandparents have passed away. That was the first thing that came to mind. And I called her back because I had a missed call from her. She said, before she said, hey, Isaiah, how are you doing? She said, do not go downtown, do not do this, go home and, and make sure you do not. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Like, slow down, what are you talking about? She's like, the courthouse is on fire and they are down there rioting and you do not need to go down there, stay home or stay wherever you are. That was the first fear that I had to realize, you know, that I had felt. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, then things start turning in my head. I was like, and they had put the curfew for 10 o'clock and it was approaching 10 o'clock. And as a black man, when they, people down there rioting and looting and everything, it's like, what if I get pulled over by a police Mm -hmm. officer who thought that I was downtown? And I'll call this like a protection from God because some way, somehow, I had lost my key fob to open my door and start my car. And a church member had to take me home, but my white friends had said, Hey, do you wanna stay here? Text us when you get home, or do you want me to take you home? Mm. And I was like, No, you know, we're fine, you know? And the moment that we left, we could hear them laughing and going back to playing the car games and everything Mm -hmm. like that. And then the people that left, which was like two African-American people, myself and then a young lady, was like, we have to think about our safety. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't start my car so she took me home and we had to take back roads. Like we was like, hey, we probably take the back road. So we had to strategically think like, what can we do to avoid the police, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's one of those things that there are fears, Like, I don't, I can't say that I grew up to be like, oh, I fear that one day I'm going to get shot, Mm -hmm. you know, or one of those things. But I feel like that comes from how you were brought up, Mm -hmm. what type of environment that you were brought in, brought up in, that will determine those fears, you know, and what has been implanted into you, you Mm know. It could be like your grandfather said, oh, no, you know, I mean, like you, you can take interracial dating, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's some fears for some white parents. Sure. You know? So it's just all the matter, like, we all have our own fears, and it's just based upon how we were brought up.
0: Yes. Yes. That's so good. Yeah. What's the next one on there? I said, pull
1: your vote, backing, funding, et cetera, from those who won't stand up and choose to, t- and choose to turn a blind eye to the matters at hand instead. Mm-hmm. Donate to organizations that exist with legal funds for those wrongfully incarcerated or falsely accused. Demand stricter processes and background checks for those who want to be police officers, judges, district attorneys, or people who have the power to determine the fate of someone's life. If there is any inclination they can be biased, they're not fit to serve. If your pastor is silent, call them out. You can't preach love when the hearts of some of your sheep are filled with the hate due to someone's skin color. As their leader, correction is love, racism is wrong, and congregations need to hear it from their leader. The loss of a few tithe is worth the future lives of those affected by racism and police brutality. Mm. Speak up at the family reunions and family functions. And the last one that I wrote on this one was, pray that the spirit of racism is eradicated and that the hearts of races are truly turned to Jesus. We're dealing with the spirit of racism that has plagued this nation since Christopher Columbus.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole another subject. But we 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 have to awaken to the reality of the stories many times that we were taught mm-hmm. as white children, as black children. Yeah, are not always accurate. That's right. And and when we see and, and celebrate for many years, I think we're we're finally waking up to the fact that you know, from the discovery of this country to the founding fathers to the Civil War, it was genocide of indigenous people. It was the bringing over of slaves. So we've, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. Long way to go. Hasn't been that long. What What would you say to the people that are saying, I don't know what to do. All I know to do is to protect my family. Mm-hmm. I don't want my business destroyed. But at the same time, I do want to respect police officers I want to teach my kids not to be racist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So many of us feel like our hands are tied, that we're, we're backed into a corner and there's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say to that? I
1: would say start where we're starting right now. Have a conversation. Have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Because then that will spark ideas mm-hmm. and creation of things to be able to help with those things like for instance you may have a conversation with me today and then sit your kids down and say hey I had a chance to speak with Isaiah today and I want you all to know that we do not accept racism it is Mm -hmm. something that is bad you implant that into the next generation yes so sometimes what may seem like you can't do anything sometimes it's just teaching your kids Mm that it's wrong. Just let them see it. Just let them see it and hear it from you, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's the next generation after us, you know, that will either carry the torch Mm. and have change, or it will continue to go. Mm. So we have to plant seeds of love in these children. And these next people who are coming up into office and, you know, next business owners and the next, you know, because someone said that like, you have insurance on your business that can be rebuilt. Someone's life cannot. Yes. You that's know? so good. And so that's how I feel like when you, if you feel like your hands are tied, like intentionally go to somebody that doesn't look like you and say, hey, can we have permission to have an honest conversation? Where we don't hold anything back Mm. and we give each other permission to be able to ask those hard questions so we can come from a place of love to understand one another. Because a lot of times, what we've gone off of are preconceived notions of the stories that we've told ourselves and influences by, you know, TV and by our family members. But sometimes that story can be destroyed by having a conversation. I was like, it's not true, you know. What I'm saying right, you know, because I embrace, I embrace hard conversations. I'm learning to embrace hard. Yeah. Com- let me let me say that. Okay, <laughs> I'm learning to embrace the hard conversations because these are the hard conversations that
0: turn into action. Mm. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm learning how to have them. They don't come natural for me. Mm-hmm. I'm learning how to to lean into them mm-hmm. because I've always said that. Vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Absolutely. Honesty breeds honesty. Yes, it does. If you want what you want, or maybe you say it this way many times what's happening in your world is simply a mirror of what's going on inside of you. And Mm -hmm. so if you want to see and have change, you know, it's the old saying be the change you want to see. Absolutely. And so with that, you know, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of, and, and, and rightfully so amongst mm-hmm. the, black, the black males, black women, the black race in America. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of misunderstanding on the other side. Mm-hmm. What do you think needs to be done? You touched on it. You talked about better background checks, mm-hmm. voting. What would you say to that person that says, Isaiah, I hear you, I'm with you in heart, but I just can't vote certain political things because I don't believe in them, but at the same time, my political party tends to be full of white racist people. Mm -hmm. I'm stuck. I don't have a choice really anymore. What would you say to that that person? Those are hard questions. Those are difficult. When you get into the politics side. Mm Because do you put people above the economy and, and good capitalism and all the things that you and I participate and benefit from in this country? Yeah. You're a successful businessman. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, there are those who would say, well, if you go down too far down this road, you're going to destroy all of that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if you go too far the other way, then you're going to get us right back to where we were. Mm-hmm. How, how do you have those conversations and how do you parse through so much of that? That is a hard one.
1: Point blank in the period, which challenges our beliefs. Mm. It's the ability to let go what I've known for years to be able to, be like, based upon the information that I've gathered over the last three months, is like what change is going to happen Mm. And who's gonna be the person that brings that change? right? So that's where it, it comes it has to come to a place of consciousness. Mm, that's good. And a place of like I, uh, we can be, we can be selfish you know in those matters of like, okay, I'm voting for this person because this is what I believe in. This is, and they, they line up with my ideals, you know And that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no perfect candidate and there's no perfect person, right. you know? But what I say is, I say, please take into all the factors of what you see right now. Mm. And do you feel like it's going to change with that person? Mm. So it's, it's just a hard conversation, you know? And it's like, what is that person doing right now
0: to be able to be that voice for everybody? Yeah, we need better leadership. We need those <laughs> that stand up. Yeah, it's an understatement, right? <laughs> uh, we need people that stand up and say, "I see you." Mm-hmm. We must come together. We must fix this. We we have been wrong, and let's do better. Absolutely. I mean, we need leaders that will say that. I was so encouraged to see the last few days, you know, police chiefs stand up and come out mm-hmm. and take their hats off and yep. say and kneel too, and kneel. I'm with <laughs> you. I want to march with you. Mm-hmm. This was wrong. Yeah, uh, we are going to. We're going to. To, to deal with these yeah. people, the, these men, we need more, we need to see more of that in the media. We need to that's see right. those voices on behind podiums. Mm-hmm. We need to let their kids and generations see that the policemen and the leaders are saying it's wrong. That's right, that's right.
1: Everything, everything is about action now. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's enough, we've had enough of speaking, you know, and talking. Conversations need to be had, but after the conversations, action steps need to be implemented.
2: Mm.
1: You know? Like like that's what I put in there. I was like, hey, you having this conversation with me? I'm just using it as an example. And if you have a connection to some a lawmaker, to be, like, hey, I just had this deep conversation and it bothered me. I wanna know what you're gonna do about this and what are your thoughts about all of this to start that conversation in your community. Mm. And you can kind of see where the heart of the matter is because you can affect change. Will that possibly rub rub people the wrong way? Is there a possibility that you can lose friendships? Yes, point blank in the period, you Mm. know? But there has to be a love for human life. Yes. And what we've been doing has we have been just brushing it to the side. And it's just gonna keep repeating. It's gonna keep repeating and repeating until change happens. So yes, we need stricter processes, you know? We need people, like you said, the police officers speaking out against it because if not, they're gonna be all boxed into one, one area. All police are bad. That's not the case, you know? It's when we see them, in their action of kneeling in their action of walking with the black lives matter movement it's 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 when we see it mm. that's when true change is going to happen because when you're silent yes it's like oh i agree with what happened and i'm not going to speak up about it mm. you know so silence is really loud yes it is that's why action is so needed right now that's why i said we're in the greatest opportunity now it's like It could be you know hey i want to get a group of parents together in our neighborhood and talk about this Mm, that's good you know and to have that hard conversation like what do we teach our kids you know is there like hey can we invite one of, you know, their classmates, if they have an African-American classmate, to be able to invite them over to the house after COVID, you know,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, to be to understand and just to give that interaction. Because if you really look at babies, they don't see color. No, They, they will go hug anybody and everybody and hold their hand. That's what we need. We need to go back to childlike. Yes. Yes. You know, and that's the type of love that we need to resemble. So I'm willing to come behind my white brother Mm. and to be like, hey, I'm here for you. Mm. And I've had my white brothers come up behind me and say, hey, I'm here for you. I don't know what to do. And I look to you for that guidance, but do know I'm here for you. And I could hear sometimes the nervousness because sometimes that is like going against the grain.
0: Yeah. You know, but it's needed. Yeah. What was the hardest... Question and conversation you had yesterday of those 10 people. What was the most awkward conversation? (laughs) One,
1: I would say one that did stuck out was like a fellow realtor, and she identified that she had some, you know, biases in her,
2: Mm.
1: you know? And I feel like I was able to say, I'm glad you were able to identify that. And she was like, I want to change, and, you know, I want to be empathetic and all those things. I was just like, that's the, that's the way to do it, you know? I didn't judge her. I didn't scold her. Like, you racist lady. you know? Right. That's not what this calls for. This calls for us to be able to love, to know, like, hey, we've all done wrong, mm. and we have the ability right now to change. Mm. What I don't have respect for is people who know wrong, and still continually do it. Yes, you know. And so I feel like that was like the that was a great call yesterday and we still have some more talking to do, mm-hmm. you know. And the calls are still coming in, which is awesome. Mm, mm-hmm. you know, because it makes me believe that people finally see.
0: Yes. Yes, and unfortunately, it takes difficulty and pain and death for mm-hmm. people to see. Mm. Yeah. If people want to learn and read your post and get in touch with you, tell them where they can find all your your book and all that good stuff. Yeah. So my book
1: is on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com. And the title of it again? Little Me, I Will Live Now. Mm. Um, and then you can follow me on social media platforms at Isaiah D. Tatum. That's I-S-I-A-H D. Tatum. And um, you can follow me there. Yeah. Great. And you have an Instagram? Everything, Instagram, Twitter, all those things, they're, they're, they're coming back up. I got off of social media for a while. <laughs> I did. I remember you yeah, went silent for a I while. I went silent for a while and I actually deleted my Instagram. <laughs> 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 and I never had Twitter. Why but did you do that? Because it was just so much distraction. You know mm. what I'm saying? And we have to be really aware of what we feed ourselves. Mm. And Facebook has the ability to, you know, cause division. And with the articles that are posted, you don't know what's truth and what's a lie now, you know? And people are bickering about political parties. And those things just started to affect me, you know? To be like, hey, if I wanna go on Facebook today, I wanna see what argument I can get in today. Like that, it got to there. And I was like, that's not a good place to be, you know what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? To be like, who can I correct today? Mm-hmm. And that's not a great heart, you know what I'm saying? Of like, all this negativity is affecting me. Mm-hmm. It's like, where? why do I feel negative? What have you been reading? What have you been feeding your soul? What has been going through your eyes? What have been going through your ears? And so I was just like I just needed a break. And it's been peaceful. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. But you're back. I am back somewhat. <laughs> I am back because I could not let this opportunity go by without letting my voice be
0: heard. That's good. That's so good and we need to hear it. Mm-hmm. I just I just thank you for taking the time to to talk to me, mm-hmm. to hear me. Absolutely. But most of all, this was about I want to hear you mm-hmm. because I need to keep learning and growing and and rooting out, like you said, you got to root it out. Yeah. So thank you. I love you. Love you too. And I want us to continue this dialogue, however that, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. I know we both live pretty busy lives, but if anything good's come out of it, that people can observe and listen to to people, human beings, having a conversation and trying to understand each other. At the end of the day, that's what's going to change us. That's right. All right, Isaiah. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.